Welcome back to the Loved Out Loud podcast. My name is Weston Downing, one of your co-hosts. This is the podcast about how to follow Christ when the world is trying to prevent you from doing so. This week, I'm joined by my good friend, Zach Tiffner, and he's coming from all the way from the University of Tennessee at Martin. <laughs> Look, Zach's a great guy. He's been one of my friends for I don't know how long. We played football together in high school, and uh, we were kind of discipled and mentored by the same guy. And, you know, just enjoy our conversation on this episode. We talk a lot about past decisions we've made and the regret that has followed those decisions. And we're not only talking about our mistakes, but we're also talking about how God will use all of our mistakes. So enjoy this episode. I need a sip. How's that water, Zach? Mm, it's delicious. That's my mama's water. You know, she makes her own water. I believe it. You I'll believe tell it? you, I'll tell you one thing. That Houston water, garbage. Like that is the worst tasting water. You taste the dirt in that junk. <laughs> oh, the people from Houston are gonna be offended. You know, my cousin lives in Houston. Yeah, I was about to say that's what your mom was saying. Yeah, but she's not gonna be offended because she's from the nine oh one. So that's represent. Nine oh one represent. Yeah, some day. people are not gonna understand that. People around the Memphis area, I think we're the only people obsessed with our area code. <laughs> I mean, we got 901 sports, we got 901 music, we got 901 food, 901 Instagram accounts. Like, we're obsessed with obsessed. That's, that's big facts. Nobody nobody reps the 901 like we rep the 901. Nobody has any kind of, you know, area code that means anything to them anymore. So, you were in Houston and if you don't know this, you know, Zach, you're a, go ahead, just tell us about yourself, Zach. I'm going to talk all day. So I had the opportunity this summer uh, to work for Vivint. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, um, but it's just basically a security company. Uh, they do a lot of cameras, smart home stuff. And so honestly, I mean, it's a whole lot easier than like selling knives or some other, you know, dumb stuff. Okay, so. easy. You don't have to sell us your stuff on the show. He can't snap out of the salesman thing. When I say tell me about yourself, don't talk about the company you work for. Tell me about what you're majoring in, Zach. Who oh, are I'm you? Sorry. Get to the point of it. This is a counseling section. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> I apologize. Well, you just talked about Houston, so that was fresh on my mind. Sorry. But uh, no, I'm a uh, technically a senior at the University of Tennessee at Martin. I'm a nursing major, but I switched to nursing, so I kind of pushed myself back. I'm going to be a fifth-year senior by the end of it all. So uh, technically, I'm starting my first senior year, but I'm looking to you know hopefully make some Make some connections, make an impact before I get out. Use that last year, you know, to do something. So, so you're very involved with the BCM at Martin, aren't yep. you? So that for you, uh, everyone who doesn't know, BCM is a it stands for Baptist Collegiate Ministry, and they're they're on a lot of campuses, college campuses throughout the United States. Out of the United States, I have no idea. But uh, so Zach, you're really involved. You're on leadership down there, up there. <laughs> That's right. I always say down. I feel like I always say the opposite. Like anytime I say down there, it's always somewhere north, and anytime I say up there, it's always somewhere south. So. No, I think the correct thing is if you say up there, it should be north. Yeah. And that drives me crazy. If you're going somewhere south, you say, "Well, I'm gonna go up there." I'm like, there. "You can't go up. It's <laughs> south." <laughs> I mean, it does, it's just my thinking. So, uh, you're involved with the BCM up there. How's that been going? What's it oh, like? It's being been in? good. Um, the BCM has just been something that's really kept me connected, even in college. Um, it's just. Like I said, I've had a great group of friends. Uh, I mean, even in high school, like me and you, we had our, you know, core little group. But uh, I think the BCM is something that, you know, college kids that even um, they're the ones that, you know, were the kind of like us, like the bigger names in the youth group, the ones that came to everything, that did everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you just get a lot of people that are pretty mature in their faith for the most part. I mean, you do get the ones that are, you know, a little uh, – 
you know, kind of off the ones that don't really care too much that are just kind of there for the social scene. Uh, but you definitely do get some really, a really good core group of guys and girls that, um, just really love sharing their faith and really live it out. So it's definitely been a blessing and an encouragement to me. Yeah, for sure. So you said you're a nursing major. What was your previous major before you changed? Oh, I majored in biology. Um, I was planning on going to med school, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later, of just kind of decisions that changed. Um, and so you'll kind of hear about that a little bit later. But uh, I don't know if anybody knows about organic chemistry, but that's kind of what shot me down with biology. So... <laughs> Try to stay away from it if you can, but if not, my prayers are with you. So like I said in the intro, we're talking a, a lot about decisions we've made and a lot of regrets that come with those decisions. When you think of a decision that maybe you regret, what's something that comes off the top of your mind? I know we didn't talk about this. I don't want to be hmm. catching you off guard, but is there anything that you regret maybe? or? I mean, honestly, just thinking, I mean, there's plenty of stuff in my life and everybody's life that we regret, um, but I mean, there's... I'm pretty sure I've heard multiple songs. And so, like, I'm a big lyrics guy, um, whether it's Lecrae, Andy Minio, like all them. Uh, and so there's just multiple songs of, you know, you wouldn't really be where you're at without, you know, the wrongs that you've done. And so uh, even if I could go back and change them, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be, you know, Zach Tiffner if I didn't make those mistakes and learn from them. Um, and then again, like I said, we'll kind of get to it a little bit later of what you can kind of do uh, with those mistakes and those regrets um, just to kind of, you know, flip your, like we've been talking about, the perspective on everything just to, uh, just to make a, I don't know, make everything a little bit better, I guess. Mm -hmm. For sure. Just some clarity here. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I'm just talking out loud. I know this isn't on the outline, but, you know, when you, me and Benton started doing this podcast, whatever, you know, it's episode five. And honestly, like when it started, you know, just a, even till now, like a bunch of people, you know, just texting us or whatever and saying, oh, you know, I've really enjoyed it. And, which is great it's the support has been great you know i'm glad people are getting something from it because it's not me or benton or the people we have on here it's the lord just willing to use us i'm just glad to be used and when we talk about regrets we all have regrets like even guys i've talked to because they heard you know this podcast or whatever i try not to just sit here and flaunt it around you know what i mean but they said man I really listened to it really enjoyed it and they're older and they talk about regrets they made and i feel like they're looking at me like this perfect kid who's following christ and it's like it's like, no, it's like, right. I just want to use this to talk about things that kids shouldn't do, you know what I mean, yeah. that I've done and I've messed up. But I'd probably say the biggest regret, like you said, we've all had regrets. I'd say some of the biggest regrets people have are their regrets or decisions that they made that affect people they were close to or are close to. Yeah. You know? so that's I a, think it's real easy to you know do something if it's going to only hurt you. But I think you are right. Like some of the biggest ones are the things that, you know, hurt the people that are closest to us. Um, it's definitely tough. And like, like you said, everybody makes them and, you know, kind of being that everybody looking in at you and thinking, you know, you're the perfect kid or the one that does everything right. I think stuff like this is always great because, I mean, like you said, we're going to get on and talk about some of our regrets and um, people that, you know, you maybe not necessarily hold up on a pedestal, but ones you kind of look up to. Uh, you always think, man, like, oh, they're perfect. They never do anything wrong. And I think it always helps, you know, when you hear those people um, and you hear what they have struggled with. Because then I think, like you said, with other people that have those regrets, it's real easy to share them once you know that everybody messes up. Because with, you know, sin and everything, it's kind of one of those things that that's what um, 
you know, that's what kind of binds you down to it is the fact that you think you're the only one struggling with it. When in reality, like I guarantee you like 80% of people that are just like you are dealing with the same exact things that you are. Isn't that the truth? It's like that raise your hand if you have a question in class and it's like, no one raises their hand except that one kid. And the in this how the teacher says, well, if one person's got a problem with it, at least half y'all got a problem that's with exactly it. That's exactly right. And like you said, that's the same thing with sin. And that's the same thing in the devil's DNA of his plan to disrupt Christ's plan is to make you feel like you're alone. And we got to get out of that. And we just, and that comes like, you know, our pastor preached a solid sermon this morning. And it was like, you just have to be, we're talking about perspective and everything, but I'm pulling from this to drag into here. You just have to be 100% honest. And honestly, I was thinking about something today, struggling with about lying. Like I was going to have to fill out some document or I was thinking about filling some document out in the future. And I was, it was about like personal history, my mistakes I've made. And I was like, well, I kind of want to push this down the timeline. Like I haven't done this or done that in this so many years. Like instead of like, I haven't, you know, I got to make myself look better. I'm working at a church and all this now. And it's like, you know what? This could cause more problems in the future by me just lying. I need to have some integrity and just be 100% honest. But, you know, all of that, let's dive into regrets. Zach, let's let's look at what the Bible says around, about regret first. Um, how would you basically sum up what regret even means? We're tossing around the word, but I want the definition to be solid here. Uh, so, I mean, I think regret is just, you know, that bad feeling that, you know, when you do something, I mean, you regret it, you feel bad about what you've done, you wish you could take it back. Um, I think that's kind of the core of regret is that feeling of wanting to be able to, to take it back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we have to live with the consequences of what we do, of, of our actions and um, ultimately of our sins. And so that's what you always have to keep in mind is not necessarily, you know, um, how is this going to affect me or even just others? But what are the, the long-term consequences that you're going to actually have to deal with um, with, you know, your decisions that you make? Yeah, I mean, I would basically sum up, you know, feeling guilt, feeling remorse after a decision you made. And so when we look at what the Bible says here about regret, man, I remember it was me, uh, my other friend, Jack Bailey Simpson, Tucker Chumley, Jordan Rose, A.J. Wellington, some of my roommates and some of my good friends this past fall and spring, we were kind of doing like a Bible study. And we talked about that in, I think, our second episode, surrounding yourself with people that hold you accountable. So we're digging into the Word, and we're digging into the Old Testament. And, I mean, I haven't read a lot of the Old Testament, but we're hitting main passages. And, Zach, do you mind reading this verse? Because it, it blew my mind when we started talking about it. Yeah, so uh, this is Genesis 6, uh, verse 7. It says, So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret the day that I have made them. And so what God is saying here that stands out to me is, He goes, I'll wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures, the things that move along the ground. And then God says, For I regret that I have made them. He regretted making us. Before we jump the gun here, is does that mainly does that really mean the word regret? Or is like what do you have that information? Yeah, so the Hebrew word for it is actually a little bit different than what we think of um, with our regret. And so the word, the root word in regret. Um, in the Hebrew actually means to sigh. Um, and so since we know that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes, it's not this idea of, you know, oops, I made this, like now I'm just going to wipe it off the face of the planet. Um, it's like this disappointment, like, I mean, everybody's gotten that, like uh, from your mom or your dad, like some the disappointment and what it's become. Um, 
And so, like I said, it's not necessarily the, the regret of, or like our regret of making us and wanting us to be gone, but um, like I said, just the disappointment and the, a sorrowful heart um, in seeing what his creation had become. So, mm-hmm. And I'm going to quote this commentary that you were reading from, because uh, I just took it word for word, and I think it's really good. So basically, everything you just said, to quote this uh, commentary, it says, since we know God does not make mistakes, the concept of sighing is more of a descriptive term for the kind of regret God experiences. This does not mean that the Lord felt that he had made a mistake in creating human beings, but that is his heart was sorrowful as he witnessed the direction they were going. So we know that God knows everything that's going to happen. He knew they were going to sin. He knew Adam and Eve were going to sin. He knew all this wickedness and, like you said, perverting his creation. He knew all of that was going to take place. But even though God knows, it doesn't mean... It still break. It doesn't break his heart, and that goes with like our sin and uh, our mistakes that we made. As we kind of transition to talk about, you know, our sin and mistakes, I would say if you had to split our regret into two different categories here, I think about all the things that I've done. Some mistakes are just dumb. Other mistakes are from sin. Even even though sin does make you dumb. Yeah. Let's put them into foolish mistakes, and let's put them into sin mistakes. So like with foolish mistakes, I'm trying to think here. With foolish mistakes, it it often occurs because us as human beings, we don't know everything that's going to happen, so we're trying to plan for the future, but also we're making decisions based off the season of life and maturity we are in right now. So like, for example, as me coming out of high school, like, you know, I was focused on doing this one thing, and it's something totally different I want to do with my life now. And I don't and you put it in a great way. I don't necessarily have mistakes or regrets about majoring in this or living in this different city than I am in now because it's made me who I am today. And not only that, because you could say, well, if you would have made the right decision, you'd been better than you are now. But I probably wouldn't have met or impacted the same people because the journey is almost just as important as the destination because it's about creating who you are to be. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just really important to keep an eye on that because uh, I think a lot of people are like, man, I wish I could take that all back. Like, I wish I had never done that. Um, And sure, I mean, you could go back and and change that, but uh, I mean, you always like see it in all the time travel movies, like the butterfly effect of, you know, you change one thing um, and you never know the impact that that could have. Uh, because some of the biggest mistakes have led to some of the, um, you know, the greatest inventions, the greatest, uh, you know, things like what if I always hear, you know, what if um, all these great inventors like, you know, Thomas Edison, if he failed and failed and failed. Uh, what if he had just given up? Uh, you know, we may never have electricity, the light bulb, like all of these great uh, inventions, these great ideas. Uh, and like you were talking about, Weston, of these great uh, or these people that we can impact. Um, cause even the effect of one person, you never know how many people down the line that person's going to affect because you were there. Uh, and like you said, if you ended up at, you know, Memphis straight out of the get go out of high school, um, and you weren't in, um, and you didn't spend that time in MTSU, uh, you never know, like you said, the people that you impacted and what they're going to go on to do, even if you don't physically see it, even if you didn't have like a strong, like a pivotal moment in that person's life that you know that you impacted them. People hear and people see a lot more than you think they do because I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come back, you know, 
whether it's working a D now or whether it's just spending, you know, a day at a, a church or something and doing an event, uh, the people that you see later on that are like, oh man, like I loved hearing what you said. I loved, um, you know, getting to talk to you, you know, it, it impacted me in this way. And so, uh, I definitely think that is a big thing of, you know, you never realize how much you truly impact somebody or how much, um, even just a few seconds with somebody can change the course of their entire life. So. Mm-hmm. That's true. <clears throat> you really cannot be defined by mistakes you made. I think there's somebody listening to that that needs to hear that. And, you know, sitting in a place like that is something I don't think I've necessarily just struggled with because we all struggle with something. We've all got those big giants in our lives. Some some people may say demons or whatever, but, you know, everybody's got something they struggle with. And I, like I said, I feel like there's people listening that they feel like they've messed up too much. Not saying that I don't think they think either that Jesus can't pay their sin debt or Jesus can't forgive what they've done. There might be people like that, which is crazy because I think we talked about on an episode before. Look, Paul was out killing Christians, and God used his life and used that crazy testimony for something great. You may have not been doing that, but God can sure forgive and use you no matter what you've done. So there's that. But then there's the person that think, okay, maybe they don't feel like they can follow Christ or go out and like make this public impact or anything because they messed up so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, people know me for partying. Exactly. But I haven't made that just a big life change. It's almost been like a subtle life change. Like I was in the frat game, and I was going to all these wild parties, and I, or I was just involved with the wrong crew in high school or college. But then my life just slowly started changing. Maybe I got saved. Maybe I just took my faith more seriously. It's like, but I just... I just don't feel like I can, I can, I can be whoever they look up to in like their Christian walk or whatever. Let me tell you something. You just cannot be defined by your past decisions you made, whether it's foolish mistakes, whether it's sin mistakes. You just got to turn and run. You got to turn and run from it all. And you know it doesn't define who you are because it's all about how God defines you. And you hear that, you know, your identity is in Christ, your identity is in Christ. But it's like, what does that even really mean? It's not about pleasing other people. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people um, just on that thing of, because we have a lot of people like that in the BCM of people that were in the party scene when they first came into college or even out of high school. Uh, And then I think some of the people that have, you know, all the biggest problems, the biggest um, mistakes in a sense, are the ones that have the biggest and the strongest testimonies or the ones that... um, the ones that you know, you, they seem to like be on the most fire for the Lord because um, I'm pretty sure in Matthew it talks about, uh, you know, the two the two debtors to the one that is forgiven much, the one he loves much, and so there's so much of a, um, you know, the the church kid growing up through um, his life, you know, not really making a whole lot of really bad decisions um, compared to the guy that you know has been out running from the Lord as much as possible and then changes his life over. Um, I think you just have so much more appreciation because they know where they've come from. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the same time, like I said, um, with people that, you know, have been in the BCM that have struggled with stuff, I think the biggest thing has been, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard once you're coming out of that to fully get out because you're going to have those old friends coming around, uh, the old ways of life that are kind of coming back, creeping up on you, and you just have to be able to push through. I mean, I like what you said about accountability um, with you and your roommates. I think that's one of the biggest things with people is if you're out there doing it alone, 
I mean, it's never going to work out. You're going to end up falling back into the same things. Honestly, being alone is probably what got you into that in the first place. Uh, and so having those people that are going to hold you accountable um, and, you know, check in on you and make sure you're doing what you're supposed to, uh, ultimately that's going to be the easiest way uh, for you to, you know, flip your life around. And like I said, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. You're going to have trials and, you know, sin creeping back up on you. And even if you fall back and stumble a couple times, you still have to keep it going and keep pulling yourself back up and have those guys around you pulling you up because you're never going to get out. Uh, like Cliff was talking about the past couple sermons of um, you don't get where you're at just by one decision. You can't look back on your life and say, well, this is exactly what made me do this or this is exactly why my life is like this. Um, there's a verse, uh, I'm pretty sure it's by Lecrae, or no, Andy Minio, I think, uh, but it says nobody wakes up addicted Every great falls from a hundred bad decisions. Mm. And so it doesn't matter how high up you are, how low you are. It wasn't one mistake that caused you to be in the way that you are. It was a handful of them. It was a bunch. And so um, at the same time, like Cliff was saying, you're not going to, you got into your hole making a bunch of mistakes. You're not going to get out of it overnight by just making one decision. Um, And so, like I said, it's going to be tough, but you have people out there. Um, if anybody you know is listening to this that is kind of experiencing that now, you have people out there in your life. Uh, you just have to reach out to them first. I know it's it's harder to do sometimes, um, but ultimately it's going to be better for you in the long run, even if you have to go through that little bit of awkwardness or that uh, that shame maybe that you kind of feel. But I promise you they're going to be welcoming you with arms open wide, um, and you're both going to be uh, much better off for it. So, Man, yeah, that's really true. and. Just to sum up everything we're talking about, you know, you can't be defined by your past mistakes. And if you think you're making these decisions along your your life and career goals, look, even if they were foolish decisions, like we have the verse right here that you put down, Romans eight twenty eight. It says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Look, if you feel like you made a foolish mistake and you didn't pick the right degree or whatever and you wasted years doing this, you know, just ask the Lord to use that for the good of the purpose, the greater kingdom work. What's going on here? Just say, Lord, can you just, you know, I may have learned some skills, got some experience in this or that, or maybe I have a crazy testimony. God, can you just use that? And I like what you have right here. Uh, do you mind reading that next part under that verse? Yeah, so... um like I said, working over Houston, we had like a quote of the day, and this was just just happened to be one of them. It says, uh, "Life is ten percent what happens and ninety percent how you react to it." Uh, and so, with that, you have to just really take a hold of that verse of Romans eight twenty eight, um, and flip the way that you react, flip this perspective that you have, because ultimately, if you take what's been dealt to you, if you take what uh, what you've dealt with, what you've experienced in life. And you just see it as, oh, well, it's just this snowball effect of all this stuff keeps happening to me. Uh, it just becomes this um, this hole that you keep digging yourself into. And you have to take that and flip your perspective and say, well, this is, you know, that one's past me. Like, I'm about to turn my life around. I'm about to chase after, uh, chase after God. I'm about to go after what He has planned for me. Because ultimately, those decisions that you make, whether they're yours, whether they're uh, you know, other people around you. And like you said, whether they're truly, you know, mistakes that maybe I shouldn't have done that, or um, if it's things that God has used you um, in another path and then kind of brought you back on, um, you have to take them uh, and be able to use those. Like the the person that's been addicted to drugs for years, the person that 
uh, has dealt with, um, whether it's, you know, pornography or uh, anything else, you have to be able to use those life experiences to reach out um, mm-hmm. and help those because ultimately you can take them and you can bury them and you can regret them or you can flip it and you can use them uh, and you can help somebody else, either help them out get away from it or help somebody prevent it. Uh, and so it just, it depends on how you want to look at it. You can either let it beat you or you can, you know, take the stick and beat it down. So mm-hmm. you, you just got to know where God sees you in life and all these, basically where God sees you in your regret. You think about Peter. I think I referenced him in one of the episodes. I feel like I'm referencing the same scriptures or whatever, but Hey, that's okay. It's okay. Maybe I need to read my Bible more. <laughs> Yeah, reading just once a month ain't going to cut it. Oh, no, you're right. I mean, you got to get in at least a couple days a week. Uh, so a good example is you think of Peter denying Jesus and why he denied Jesus. Obviously, it was a foolish mistake. He had it, it did not come from a sin desire. Like he wasn't, it wasn't mustering up in there like, oh, I want to, I really want to deny my Lord and Savior here. It's like, no, he denied it because of fear. He denied it of what was in the moment. He was scared, spiritual immaturity, call it what you see. Those are the reasons he denied him. But after he denied him, Jesus said, I want you to come and see me after my resurrection. I can't I didn't write the verse down in Mark, but he wanted him to come and seek him after he was after he had risen. Actually, I have a verse here in Malachi 3 7, and it says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. That's the big part. Return to me. And I will return to you. And even if you do have decisions that weren't just foolish decisions, it's like weren't not the sharpest decisions, but they were decisions out of sin. Even if you're saved, you shouldn't have been doing them. What is God calling us to do? He's calling us to repent from those decisions. So, how would you how would you describe repentance? And I think we've said it. I feel like most Christians know, but I just want to repeat it. I think repentance just. I mean. I think a lot of people mistake repentance for regret. They um, they feel bad about it, and they think, you know, maybe I need to avoid this. Maybe I need to stop doing this. I need to get away from it. Uh, but that's not true repentance. Repentance is, you know, that comes, like you see, the, the one of the best examples of um, of David after, you know, Bathsheba. He, you know, had a guy murdered and, um, you know, tried to cover it up. And in the end, he didn't just... Uh, go about, you know, feeling sorry for himself. I mean, he did feel sorry for himself, but he took it to the next level of, you know, running from it, of fleeing from it 100%. And uh, that's what, you know, true repentance is. It's turning and running. It's not walking away. It's not feeling sorry for yourself, but it is truly uh, sprinting back to God. Because I think a lot of times, you know, if you do sin, if you do mess up, uh, you feel this, you feel the regret and you're wondering, you know, why would a God, you know, even want to look at me? Why would he even want to spend time? Why would he want to love me? And at the same time, you can't take it and look at it that way. You have to look at it as, you know, I need God now more than ever. Because if you run away from God because you feel ashamed, because you feel that regret, it's just going to get worse. Um, and like I said, it just keeps, you know, snowballing and eventually you get down to the place that you're at and you make decision after decision and then it's hard to climb back out. So repentance. Yes, you have to repent to be saved. You have to literally make the 180. We've all heard this illustration. Make the 180, turn away from your sin, run from it. But you still have to repent as a Christian. 
because I'm, I'm going to say this. Everybody's got their testimony how they were doing bad things, you know, before they were saved, and then they got saved. And it's like, then what? I mean, did you just make small mistakes as a Christian? Well, guess what? After I got saved, and not just saved, not eight-year-old walking down to the altar. I'm talking about junior, sophomore, and high school, whenever it was. And I said, you know what? I just want to follow Christ. And I'm actually craving the Word, wanting to read my Bible. Well, even after that, two years from now, hey, guess what? Still making big mistakes and not a mistake like, you know, a one-time mistake here and there and then I make a completely separate, different mistake. I'm talking about consecutive mistakes. Keep going back to that sin. Keep going back to that sin. Then what? I still need to repent of that sin. Sitting here feeling bad about it and just having regret, like you said, is not repentance. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. When we think about sin decisions we make, and (laughs) these sin decisions can still be called foolish decisions. You think about people, I know people now, you're claiming Christ, but you're out, and I know what you're doing, you're out and you're having sex with people that you shouldn't be. And look, I've made the same decisions. I made the same mistakes. You're out having sex with people, or it's late at night, I'm watching pornography, or I'm looking, even at something as subtle as I'm looking at something I shouldn't. Here's the deal, and I'm not just like, oh, I'm calling people out or whatever. This is me. I'm preaching to myself. These sin decisions you make, yes, let's make them all spiritual. Yes, God doesn't like what you're doing. This is going to leave scars. There are consequences for this. It could be getting pregnant. It could be drunk driving and you kill somebody. We have to think about it. You could be a Christian messing up, and all it takes is one time to really mess up badly. One time. And I'm not trying to say we're striving to be perfect. or I'm just saying be aware. Be aware of the slippery slopes, the slow fade, like the cast and crown song. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. And like you said, you don't wake up addicted. I'm just saying be careful. And look, I know that really sounded like I'm just like calling people out or whatever. When I said I'm thinking of people, I'm thinking of just people where they're out, right? Where they're at right now. It's like I was in the same spot. I was in the same spot. And so, look, a lot of sin choices, they're going to leave scars. They're going to have consequences for some people. Those consequences of their sin, they, they might even haunt them for years. And that's just the consequence of your sin. That's the consequence of decisions. And the pain and the regret, you know, it can the it can drive us to make decisions that, you know, we otherwise wouldn't make. You think about Judas. He's an example in the Bible. After he realized he betrayed the Messiah, Judas, Judas was so filled with regret, he tried to undo his actions. He tried to return the blood money for Jesus. And when that didn't work, he went out and he hung himself. That's a consequence of his sin. And so I'm not saying let's not, I mean, we, of course we don't want to try to sin because of our relationship with God and we don't want that to drive a wedge between us. But there are still actual consequences for sin decisions we make. So it's basically have some common sense and let the Spirit speak and stay away from stuff. <laughs> Flee from the devil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to put it that way, make it real simple. Um, and ultimately, I think at the end of it, you gotta. You can't let your your struggles, your difficulties, everything, your regrets that you've been through define you. And I think we hear that a lot. <clears throat> you know, you know, find your identity in Christ, but um, you truly have to get past that. You have to move past that. You know, I have to understand that God God doesn't even remember your mistakes. God forgets them, separates them as far as the east is from the west. And so, I think the hardest thing uh, is forgiven ourselves. I mean, a lot of times it's, sometimes it's either, you know, easy to forgive 
uh, or know that God forgives you, but it's hard to forgive yourself, or sometimes it's harder vice versa, but you truly have to understand that God doesn't look at you and he doesn't see the sins. He sees, um, you know, his son, he sees the blood of Christ that's covered you, that's paid for all that already. And so even the sins that you're going to continue to make, you can't let those hold you back. You can't let them define you. Galatians 2.20 uh, says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, uh, but Christ who lives in me. Um, and like I said, you're a new creation. Once you've been saved, even if you keep making those mistakes, uh, that's not who you are. Ultimately, your identity is in Christ, and so uh, you have to move past that. Um, and like like Weston was saying, it's not this one time. I think a lot of people in their testimonies, it's kind of funny you hear, I was doing all this, I repented, I got saved, and then they kind of make it sound like their life's all, you know, all peachy. But uh, like Weston's saying, everybody that's a Christian still struggles. If you don't, you're lying. Uh, I think we kind of tend to hide everything um, and try to keep up appearances that we are perfect, that we don't have struggles or anything going wrong. Uh, But that just leads to people, you know, like we talked about earlier, looking at you like you're perfect uh, when we're really not, you know, um, churches aren't, I I think I heard somebody say it once. Churches aren't uh, for, you know, the perfect people. Uh, Churches are, I mean, for broken people that have come to realize how broken and messed up they are. Um, And it's, I mean, ultimately like a hospital, like you want to get better. The the church is where you get better. People say, I have to clean my life up uh, before you get to church. But ultimately what good is cleaning your life up before you get to church? Because you're never going to get it cleaned up enough to get there in the first place. I think Cliff used it in his sermon of, you know, you're not going to um, you're not gonna try to, you know, bandage up your wound before you go to the hospital or, like, try to manage, like, a cut-off arm. You're going to go to the hospital, uh, and you're going to get that help. You're not going to try to clean it up and make everything good and then go to the doctor and say, all right, doc, how'd I do? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to go to where you can get the help, and that's where church is for us, is where we get that help. Mm-hmm. It's this it's a community. I mean, and not saying, like, that's the only place you go. I get what you're saying, but... It's your relationship with Christ, you know, like first, no matter what. But, man, it's different when you go to church. Mm-hmm. You feel the Spirit. And not just, oh, the music's loud and the lights are pumping. Man, I really feel the Spirit. No, it's just the chorus of <laughs> Holy Spirit. That's yeah. what I was feeling. It's just the fellowship. And I, yeah. being in Houston over the summer, I felt so disconnected because I didn't really have a place to go to church. Uh, and my first Sunday back, like, I just felt, um, I don't know, I felt the Spirit just come alive again because I feel like I would kind of diminished it. Uh, even just with you know a personal quiet time, it's not it's not good enough. Um, you have to carry your relationship beyond just the fact of I'm gonna you know spend time in the Word by myself. Uh, you have to make time to pray. You have to make time to fellowship with other believers. Uh, like Weston's talked about, we've been friends for a long time. We've been able to sharpen each other. We've been able uh, to build each other up. And that fellowship is something that I think a lot of people kind of take for granted, and they say you know. Uh, you know, I mean, it's all right. I don't need a church. You know, I'm wherever I am worshiping, that's my church. But uh, I cannot ever overstate the value of having a community of believers to hold you up, to lift you up, to provide that accountability, um, and to ultimately be, uh, be you know, your cheerleader, your motivator through life. Mm-hmm. So kind of just to sum up a lot of the stuff we covered, you cannot let past regrets and decisions define you you've got to know that no matter what you've done god will use it back to the example of paul he was killing christians god used his crazy testimony he used him for a crazy amount of things so he could get the glory 
God will use you no matter what you've done. Look, check your temperature. Look where you're at right now. I'm talking to the people trying to follow Christ because you, you may be saved, you know, even if you're saved. We're not always in the best spot. It's okay to not be okay. But you got to be that point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you're in your sin and you're just wallowing in your sin and you're like, I can't even come to God because I'm stuck in this. I feel too dirty. Mm. You have to just go. You just have to go. Zach, that's all I've got to say here. That was a pretty tough episode. Do you have anything else you want to add before we jump the gun here and close us out? Uh, just kind of a little bit of um, just encouragement to end because I know a lot of people have been there, done that, struggled, uh, and done a lot of things that they regret in their lives. Um, Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us, uh, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, even when we were at the lowest of the low, even when everything in life looked like it was falling apart, God still loved us. If nobody else in our lives did, God did, uh, whether we saw it, whether we felt it or not. Uh, and like I said, I'm a big lyrics guy, so this kind of came This came from a, a Lecrae song. Um, but he says in, towards the end of it that crooked sticks draw straight lines. Um, and you think about that. No matter how twisted, how messed up, how broken your life is, God can still use you as a tool for His perfect purpose. Uh, so like I said, it doesn't matter if you're broken, if you're crooked. Um, God can take you and He can you know, paint a masterpiece. He can use the struggles in your life to reach out to somebody else. He can use uh, what you've done um, to better somebody else's life. And so even if you've had to go through that struggle, Ultimately, it was worth it if you think about how you can influence and impact other people down the road with it, uh, with that experience that you've got. So mm -hmm. That's a good word, Zach. Zach, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on the Loved Out Loud podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's good to finally get you on here and catch up with you while you're still in town. I know it has been. I feel like I haven't been back in Covington in forever, but it definitely feels back to be back, or definitely feels good to be back and see uh, you know, friends, family. Um, been missing y'all over the summer, so it's it's good to see y'all again. We've been missing our salesman. <laughs> He's only tried to sell me his security products four different times. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of just habit. Like, eh, what, what do you do? What do you do over the summer? You just go into your whole sales pitch. So, I mean, it happens. But <laughs> all right, Zach, thanks for your time, man. Thank you again for listening to episode five of the Loved Out Loud podcast. You can find all our other episodes at lovedoutloudpodcast.com we're on Spotify we're on uh, Apple Podcast if you're on Apple Podcast be sure to leave us a review uh, leave us an honest review hopefully you're honestly rating us 5 out of 5 <laughs> if you're leaving a bad review don't butcher us <laughs> but thank you for listening to the podcast we really appreciate everybody's support and you can also find the video portion of the podcast. You can just search my name, Weston Downing, on YouTube. Or I'm sure if you typed in Loved Out Loud on YouTube, the podcast will pop up. Thanks, everyone, for your support and for listening. See you next week.